Welcome to another episode of KUSI's Mark My Words, hosted by our very own Mark Mathis. Welcome to another edition of KUSI's Mark My Words, America's fastest growing podcast. And uh, joining me today is, tell me again how to say that. Sharon McKeeman. McKeeman? Yeah. <laughs> it's very close, right? <laughs> yeah, it is pretty close. So you're kind of the um, uh, figurehead of, of Let Them Breathe. Mm-hmm. And t- just give us a brief history on how Let Them Breathe started, why it started, and maybe some of the uh, issues that uh, that you're dealing with at this particular moment, if you don't mind. Yeah, so Let Them Breathe really started way before it started because I was part of the school reopening movement. And so that's kind of where everything started. I was at the forefront of that. I was part of the lawsuit that uh, was successful and reopened schools. But then as soon as my kids were back in school, I saw they weren't back to an effective education because their faces were covered. And it was very obvious to myself and a lot of parents that was impacting their mental health, their social uh, development and their academics. So pretty quickly after schools opened, I founded Let Them Breathe and it just began to grow so quickly. We've got well over 30,000 people involved at this point because there were so many parents that were, had already seen the negative impact or were starting to at least ask questions like, what's going on here? We're seeing that these cloth masks aren't actually effective and we're seeing the harmful effects. And so uh, we've been involved in positive advocacy. We've partnered with school boards. uh, We've helped parents and kids understand their rights. And then of course, we've also filed a lawsuit and we are on the verge of filing another lawsuit as well. Okay, whenever I (laughs) see you guys on, whenever I see you on and and I don't have kids and so, but I always, I've had, I have six nieces and nephews. (laughs) I I have put my, I have kid friends that have kids. and speak with them on a regular basis. I put myself back into that situation yeah. when I was a kid. I can think of a worse environment <laughs> to be where I almost went crazy wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just going to the stores and, you know, where I had to go. Kids that are kind of developing and learning and I don't hear very well. Mm-hmm. And I'm a doctor of mine started wearing a hearing aids because she had to wear a mask her patients were wearing masks and she couldn't understand (laughs) you know and that there's no development in Mm -hmm. the brain Uh, parts of the brain begin to not develop if you can't hear exactly and um what have you in your research and some of the studies other than just mental health and kids getting frustrated there's no way to process it Mm -hmm. because they're not old enough to process it they don't know why it's happening, yeah. that they're getting frustrated and angry. What, what are some of the things that have you have seen other than <laughs> the obvious mental health issues yeah. that kids have had just by having to put these masks on? Yeah. Well, I'll say that anything I'm going to share with you is just the tip of the iceberg because that's what we actually know and can see. And I think that over the next several years or possibly even decades, we're going to find out the true impact of, of how this has actually affected our kids. That there's so much under the surface we don't even realize yet. Because like you're saying, it, it's not just the inability to hear, it's facial cues. Kids are developing. And so the younger a kid is, the, the less they're at risk from serious complications of the virus, but the more at risk they are of having those developmental delays, of, of not being able to learn how to interact socially. And so I 
our lawsuit is just full of evidence, but I think that the biggest things that I've seen myself and that I've heard from parents is, uh, I know my son almost didn't survive last year and it wasn't due to COVID, it was due to the mental health impact of he has ADHD and he's not able to engage either on distance learning with a computer screen or then when he can't see people's faces. Uh, so there's obviously just the discomfort there hard enough for a lot of kids to sit in a desk and, and pay attention and uh, but then having that discomfort of the mask on and then obviously we're seeing uh, rises in anxiety and depression. Uh, there was just an incident at a local school here where the dance had to be shut down because it became so unruly and, and we're seeing there's a lot of kids they're kind of losing their moral compass, their understanding of how to interact with others uh, because they've had that that social impact of being masked. And, and some kids are uh, dealing with that by withdrawing. Their parents are saying they don't want to go out anymore. They don't want to talk to people. Other kids um, were seeing that manifest in unruly behavior and poor decision making. Um, and then obviously there's the academics. We're hearing from elementary teachers that they can't teach a child how to read when they can't see how to form the phonetic sounds. Right. Yeah. And then we're also hearing a, a group that's really being impacted are English language learners. I'm hearing from ESL teachers, these kids are already at a disadvantage and, and they really need a lot of support in the education system. And they're not allowed to take their mask off so that they can see how to form the words in the English language. Right. You bring up a very good point there. My little sister um, <laughs> had some hearing issues as well. Mm -hmm. And um, she had, uh, I guess, what is called rhoticism, which is uh, the inability to pronounce the word R. Uh -huh. Now, it, that doesn't sound like a big deal because every <laughs> kid I know from first to sixth grade can't yeah. pronounce the word <laughs> R. But it lingered for her for a while mm -hmm. because she wasn't able to hear how you say R or yeah. use it in a sentence. Um, and I think that that would be probably what who is pushing back on this i mean who is the people saying well no you have to wear a mask it's fine for kids mm -hmm. to wear a mask in in schools who <laughs> are this the school boards is it the school union teachers union who's doing this well i got to actually ask the education secretary and the director of the cdc and and you know what's the timeline for getting these masks off our children and uh, their response was that the kids don't mind it's, it's okay because they know they'll miss out on school and sports if they don't put a mask on, which is, you know, there's a term for a, a relationship like that, right? right sure. And, and uh, what we hear from schools, we're hearing from a lot of educators and administrators that they, they don't, they know this isn't best for the kids, but it's that state mandate that is in place. And so that's why we have sued the state. And we have a lot of medical experts that are expressing what I'm expressing to you, but much better because obviously they're professionals. And uh, we have child psychologists and epidemiologists that have submitted declarations in the lawsuit about why these masks aren't effective, they're unnecessary, and they're harming our kids. And you know, I would go a step further and say at this point, it's just political theater. Uh -huh. I, I can't believe we're even having this conversation anymore. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> that, that, and, and it's coming from the state mandate mm -hmm. from politicians saying, now, are, are the teachers unions oh, yes. kind of pulling those strings? Oh, yes. So we know, and I don't want to state the wrong number. It's it's either that the California Teachers Association is the largest donor uh, to Governor Newsom or, or they're up there in, you know, the top 
the top donors. And so obviously we saw with school reopening, uh, I feel like sometimes it's not quite as evident with the masking, but with school reopening, it was extremely evident. The schools would decide on a day, they would put safety precautions in place, they would have union negotiations, and then all of a sudden the date for reopening would be moved back. And, and we're finding out across the country that as exit ramps and metrics for unmasking are being removed from guidance, that there is a direct correlation uh, from union involvement. Well, why in, I mean, I would, I would think that the, the, the unions ultimately represent <laughs> their clients, mm -hmm. so to speak. So they represent the teachers. <laughs> but if I'm a teacher, my goal is to hopefully, if you come at it at a pure level, is to teach the kids. Mm -hmm. And of ultimately enough of those teachers that just want to teach the kids, wouldn't they want what's best for the kids and not what's best for the union? I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> where this where yeah. this gets mixed up with the unions. I well, mean, you yeah. would think that they would have the, their best interest at heart. Well, unfortunately, I feel like that system is just so broken and it's become such a political system. We're hearing from individual teachers, the things that you and I are expressing here. I, I've heard from individual teachers, they have hearing impaired students that even if they have a medical exemption, they can't lip read because the rest of the class is masked, you know, and, and uh, individual teachers are actually wanting to withdraw from the union over these issues. And the, the union makes it so difficult. There's only a specific time of the year that you can withdraw. And then I had a friend who literally during that time was trying to withdraw and the union was saying, no, you can't withdraw. Uh, and we've seen like up in LA, the union be very blatant that they weren't going to allow kids to engage in their in-person education unless other demands were met that had nothing to do with safety, that had nothing to do with making it through this pandemic uh, time. They, they had to do with complete you know, political things that were aside from the fact and never should have entered the discussion. Well, what is your major focus right now? And there's been some things that have come out recently about um, some unruly behavior <laughs> and some things. And I don't ever remember anybody from Let Them Breathe doing anything that was, you know, objectionable in their pursuit to get uh, your goals accomplished. What have been some of the things that have come against you guys uh, that maybe aren't fair or maybe are inappropriate mm -hmm. or maybe are just wrong yeah. in your opinion. Yeah. Well, okay? yeah, let them breathe. I mean, we are for peaceful, open discourse. We've had so many school districts that have partnered with us. And at this point, the, the school districts that aren't open to mask choice, they're not open to dialogue. Uh, that's why we've let them know, hey, we're, we're doing you a favor by just focusing on the lawsuit. Uh, because ultimately, if we win the lawsuit against the mass mandates, that would return local control to school districts. And then hopefully they will honor uh, student choice and, and dialogue with parents. But I think... How how uh, likely are you to win the lawsuit? What are your returns? <laughs> uh, I, I think that the science and the law are on our side. It is a difficult and unprecedented time. Uh, but I do feel very confident about that. And, and, you know, anything that has happened in the, in the public arena, individuals, their, their personal decisions, whether it's, you know, their words or their actions, that's, that's their decision. Uh, but we really, we want everyone to be able to have that, that peaceful, open, respectful discourse and, 
school boards, government agencies, they need to be listening to the parents. We have a one-click campaign that has thousands of signatures that's gone to, to state representatives and parents don't feel heard. And so that's why our focus is, is really on let's have this legal discussion in a courtroom in front of a judge. Let's bring all of the medical evidence. We keep hearing do this because science and, and it's not adding up. So let's talk about the real science and let's make those arguments. Well, that, that brings me to my next question. <laughs> are kids in other states wearing masks? Are they, some are, some aren't, mm -hmm. or is it, is it individual school districts that are? Or are they? So, so just like California was dead last in reopening our schools and doing what is right for our kids, mm -hmm. they are also uh, at the forefront of being the most restrictive. Obviously, they're coming out now with, with student vaccine mandates as well. And so uh, we're seeing there are lots of places throughout the country where kids are unmasked. And, and some of the studies we're looking at, um, even in other countries as well, where there's very little transmission difference between a school where the students are masked and a school where they're unmasked. And uh, I think that, that something we're also seeing is now, even though the science doesn't support it, in the court of public opinion, there's, there's this push for other states to start masking. And that's why it's so important to hold the line here in California and really have this discussion and have uh, this legal action. You, you talk a lot about science and are, are we, following the science? <laughs> I mean, are we following? I, absolutely not. I mean, it just, just the basics of the facts that our kids are very resilient to this virus. Uh, it's, it's still statistically a, a 0% death rate among children. We should be talking more about uh, the, serious, the risk of serious complications, not about just case rates. Uh, and, and then obviously cloth masks, the, the efficacy is so low. Right. And after 20 to 30 minutes, the efficacy is zero. And I know that no parent is packing up a backpack full of 50 clean masks to get maybe a, a 20, 10% efficacy if they change them every 20 minutes. Well, I don't talk <laughs> about first graders or second yeah, graders. Yeah, right. They're not going to be wearing the mask, and it's going to be all, yeah, all over drooling and yes. boogers. I mean, that's just that. The, the, the common sense or lack thereof when you're dealing with children on this thing mm. has just driven me insane. I don't have kids again. I can't imagine the frustration <laughs> that you had on through this. And, you know, I'm a fairly emotional guy. Mm. My brother-in-law is an attorney and he look, he handles things differently. So how, how do you keep, <laughs> you seem like a fairly calm person, but there's got to be some parents out there that just have, Mm -hmm. emotionally and, yeah. and maybe not physically, but emotionally just, just lost it on some people. How do you keep, <laughs> how do you keep this organization saying, Hey, listen, we're going to go through this mm -hmm. with the legal channels in the right yeah. way. Well, I, I'm proud of our parents because Let Them Breathe hasn't been affiliated with, with any incidents. Uh, they, we, our parents have, have been able to, to, to focus on that legal action and, and be peaceful. But I think, you know what, there are a lot of parents that, the, the mental health crisis that they're seeing in their kids due to the masking, it's now causing a, a mental health impact as parents are just heartbroken over what they're seeing. I, I tell people that the pandemic that is deadly to our youth and our young adults right now is uh, suicide. And every single person that I know knows at least one person who has lost their life 
to suicide during this pandemic and it is heartbreaking. And I know for myself, I know many more that have either contemplated or have attempted. And so what I'm doing when people say, well, what if wearing a mask could save one life from COVID? I say, I am so concerned about safety. I can't see one more person lose their life to hopelessness during this time. Uh, there, there's so many families, they wanna see their kids get back to normal. They wanna see them thriving again. Several months ago, I went out to, uh, it was in Carlsbad and it was in a football stadium uh -huh. and uh, Ter Terrell Burgess, who's plays with the uh, Los Angeles Rams, was kind of holding a mental health athletic camp mm -hmm. uh, for kids. Kids came from everywhere, <laughs> but I was talking to some of the organizers. There was a child that had hung himself um, off the stadium. There was another kid that jumped oh. off the, uh, the building uh, in, the, in the South Bay. And they were telling me story after story after story. So they had all these mental health professionals mm -hmm. there that were basically saying the same thing that you're saying, mm -hmm. that this can't happen. Yeah. If it continues to happen, and if you you kind of, you have to look at that, mm -hmm. you know, where do these kids go? Is there is there private privatization of schools that could potentially <laughs> happen? Um, what happens to these kids? I mean, where where could they go? Yeah. Uh, or what 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 maybe could happen? to where these kids don't have to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. I mean, is, is, that an, is that an option or is that just a dumb question? <laughs> no, it's, it's not dumb. We, we have to protect and restore our children's smiles. And I think that something that I, I'm always sharing with people is any child that's still smiling right now is an absolute gift and a treasure. We should be thankful these kids are still smiling. Uh, and so there are a lot of parents that are finding different ways to address this. Obviously, I am advocating to keep our public school system functioning and, and honor students' rights. There are parents that are pulling their kids from the system and, and they're finding, you know, they're creating homeschool pods or they're, they're, they're finding other co-ops or things. The, the problem is even the private schools in California are under this same mandate. And so we see private schools rising up and saying the state is interfering with our discretion as a private institution. And, and they're thinking about legal action as well. And so I think it's going to be a mix of people standing up for their rights and also going, we can't just depend on the system and we have to figure out creative solutions. I was part of a charter school. I've had my kids um, home a couple days a week for homeschool. I never fully homeschooled them. Uh, distance learning was very difficult, having all the kids home all, all day, every day. Sure. Uh, but I do know that there's there are creative solutions to education. And I, personally, I think that school choice would be a great option. I don't think we would be in this uh, situation if there was school choice, if parents could take their funding and, and do what they need to. I, I've heard of parents that they hired tutors during distance learning, and they've just stuck with that. But you know what? Not every family has that ability. And that's part of why I got started with this is because there's a huge equity issue ever here. Recently, uh, the Justice Department has come out against uh, school officials and um, citing violence and, and calling some people that have uh, done some, some unruly things, <laughs> uh, domestic terror. Now, you cannot lump your group into that organization Absolutely or into not. that yeah. into that category. Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, that your organization has not engaged in any of that. Yeah, definitely. And not. so, uh, how do you stay away from 
the FBI or the <laughs> Justice Department's uh, radar? Well, I think that, you know, there was this National School Board Association letter that was calling on the, the Department of Justice and, and they were using words like domestic terrorist. The Department of Justice memo didn't actually use those words. They, they said that people do have a right to even spirited debate and, and that no one should be harassed or threatened, discriminated. Uh, and, and then, of course, they said that any acts of violence they would investigate. And so obviously, let them breathe is in no way involved with with threats or violence. We don't condone that if, if anyone in this country takes part in that. And so I think that's what's important is that our focus is on making sure uh, we are part of that advocacy, that, that peaceful advocacy and that proper legal um, action that protects our students' rights. Uh, because we started, you know, talking about how there are kids that are being uh, discriminated against due to medical conditions. They're, they're being harassed at school if they, um, you know, aren't able to wear a mask. And so that's where our focus is. And, and I feel like obviously there's a lot of division in the country right now. There's a lot of uh, loud voices, but, but we're really focused on positive um, interaction and, and how can we address these legal uh, issues in the correct way. Tell me your timeline from today for the next <laughs> six weeks, six months, what what happens from this point forward? Yeah, well, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Um, I, I don't know if I can tell you six months out. I hope that six months out, every child has the right to share their smile. Right. Uh, but just last week, we had a hearing for uh, emergency relief. And we didn't even get to have the whole hearing because the state did a delay tactic of, of filing 1,600 pages the night before the hearing. Uh, and so the, the state was saying that they wanted to wait until March. So that's the state's idea. When you look at their long-term plan, they want to wait till March to even have a discussion over masking. And they were that's just like five months Right, away. right? <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're going to get a lot done before then. So they, and they just wanted to dismiss the case in March. So the judge said, absolutely not. November 8th, we will have a full hearing. We will hear all the evidence, both sides of the argument. And, and we're hopeful that on November 8th, we will get a restraining order against the state to keep them from enforcing the mask mandate. We also, in that hearing just last week, the state acknowledged that their testing and quarantine guidance are recommendations. They're not requirements. So we are now in the midst of preparing correspondence to schools and school districts, letting them know you do have local control. You don't have to be shutting down entire classrooms because the state's guidance is unclear and maybe there was a close contact somewhere out there on the playground uh, because that's affecting their funding, that's affecting education. So that's something we're really focused on right now. And then I'll, I'll give you just a little, little bit of exciting news. We will be filing a, a, another lawsuit no later than next week. Uh, that won't be over the mask mandate. Uh, we know that uh, there are school districts in the state that has, have now come out with student vaccine mandates. Uh, and, and some of them are, are, are going into unlawful realms, saying that they're not going to honor personal belief exemptions or they're going to uh, force children onto distance learning all of that would be unlawful under California state law. So that is immediately um, what we're focused on, right? Why do they think they can do that? that, do that. I will tell you why. why? <laughs> they, because they think that the parents won't come together and uh, organize this legal action and fund this legal action. Legal action is not cheap. Right. And, and we get a lot of questions from our organization about, when, when you brought up some of the unfair things, I think one unfair thing is, is that people uh, will bring up that we have a, a fundraiser that has raised a substantial amount of funds. Yeah. And 
Well, that's what it's going to take just to fund these basic lawsuits. And we're prepared to appeal if necessary. We're prepared to go to federal court. We're prepared to go to the Supreme Court if we need to. And and that's something that to raise the funds from that would be extremely much more substantial than what we've already accomplished. And can people go to a website? To yes. Out? <laughs> <laughs> everything, yes. Everything is at letthembreathe.net. If you click lawsuit, that's our current uh, lawsuit over the mask mandate and the fundraisers there. If you click let them choose, that's our initiative um, for legal action to protect students' rights with the, the vaccine mandates. Yeah. I, I don't mean to be redundant on, <laughs> on asking you this question, um, but ultimately it is and it sounds trite, but it is for the kids, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, and it's for our futures yeah. uh, as well, <laughs> right? because that's who we're going to be working for. But um, <laughs> with the mask, and I keep going back to my doctor, and my, my niece works at the Brain Institute in oh, Dallas. Wow. The ability to not hear and the ability to not learn, mm -hmm. your brain doesn't develop. And now we're just scratching the surface oh, yeah. on the wirings of the brain and, and what happens if you can't hear mm -hmm. and you can't learn. They shut down and it's early onset dementia and it's early onset for children. There's a whole slew of problems that yeah. my niece was telling me happens to the brain if they can't hear, see, mm -hmm. communicate, talk. Do school boards understand this? Do teachers unions <laughs> understand this? And what is the resistance against it? And I know we kind of touched on that earlier, mm. but I just, I think ultimately that's the most important yeah. thing, yeah. you know, that these kids aren't being able to learn. Yeah. You know, why don't they understand <laughs> that? Well, I think the biggest thing is no one is listening to the parents and the children. And then the, the opinions of these medical experts, uh, there are mainstream medical experts that are, are, are backing up what we're saying here that, that we're learning from are being censored. They're being marginalized in the conversation. When you listen to a child psychologist or an oral facial expert or a, a English as a second language teacher explain what's happening to our children, but that isn't being allowed in the discourse. San Diego Unified said they uh, made their decision over vaccine mandate because of unanimous presentation from medical experts. There were no dissenting voices. It was not a well-rounded discussion. And they even had a well-known, uh, you know, politician that is in support of that come in. Why are we hearing from politicians at school board meetings that mm -hmm. we know have larger initiatives and agendas instead of hearing from the medical experts or the parents or the children themselves? In that meeting, there were over 1,600 parents that called an opposition to the mandate. And I think I think only about 50 from both sides were allowed to actually speak. And I think there's a lot of parents that are, we're not, we're looking at the crisis right now, but we're going, this is about the country our kids live in mm -hmm. when we're gone. This is about our children's children mm -hmm. and, and the impact on what is actually happening to their brains, to their social skills. Uh, it is so incredibly beyond, I think, what we can even comprehend as far as the negative impacts right now. Sure. Absolutely. One thing about these type things, the podcast and the uh, social media is that I think people have become more involved. Mm -hmm. You see people going down to the council <laughs> chamber, you see people getting involved with Let Them Breathe. Where do people find you? Not only your website, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. where can people get involved in what you are 
doing? Yeah, so everything is at letthembreathe.net. They can all access it from there. But I encourage people to get involved on every platform that they're already on, because what we're seeing is there is censorship. And so, for instance, Facebook and Instagram went down globally this week. And thank God we have a very large uh, newsletter list. So I know if Facebook and Instagram for some reason don't come back, we can still communicate with our community. So if they go to letthembreathe.net, uh, click join us. That is our newsletter. That is the best uh, way to communicate. But if they want those daily updates, they want to know when we're going to be going on KUSI or what just happened in a court hearing, uh, follow us at Let Them Breathe on Instagram, Let Them Breathe uh, on Twitter, and then we also now have Let Them Choose on Instagram. And of course, we have our Facebook group as well. Are you being censored? <laughs> I mean, you're on those particular platforms? We are careful with what we share. And I will say we also uh, have a radio program that was inspired from our community. It's called Hold Fast, Stay True, and it's on KCBQ, uh, 1.30 on Saturdays, and that's going to be going out as a podcast as well, because there we can, we can share and we know it's not going to get taken down. Uh, however, something just shocking that happened this week uh, is in our lawsuit, we have a partnering plaintiff, which is Reopen California Schools. They have been, uh, their opinion has been honored in the mainstream media. There are all parts of the political, uh, you know, ideology is part of their community. And they just had their Facebook group completely removed yesterday. Really? Yeah. Um, and so it, this is a group that has been respected. Uh, they have a very diverse community. And he, we don't know for sure, but he put up a video, not even talking about the vaccine mandate, but about talking about children's right to that personal belief exemption under SB 277, which is just a fact. The next thing you know, the entire group of over 18,000 people is completely deleted. Wow. Yeah. Are you seeing, you mentioned mainstream media, that they were accepted by mainstream media, mm -hmm. has let them breathe been on <laughs> other stations here in San Diego? Have, have, have they welcomed you and yes. supported what you yes. said? Yes. And, and we're thankful for that. And I think that just uh, is a witness to the fact that we are taking part in, in dialogue that is, it has common sense and, and is able to, to engage respectfully with others. We've been on every single local station Many times we've been on stations all across the state and we've been both on fo uh, several Fox News shows, but I've also been on NBC and ABC nationally uh, because we are a productive part of this conversation. And, and anytime someone will actually have a dialogue, we're very thankful for that. Well, I can't thank you <laughs> for, uh, sure. for coming on uh, Mark My Words. Uh, <laughs> it uh, is going to be on all the major uh, podcast platforms and hopefully you could send that out. Definitely. Uh, definitely. To, yeah. Uh, on put it, put it maybe uh, on some yes. of your sites. Our uh, audience will be very, very excited to hear this conversation that actually delves into the well, real issues. <laughs> I always said that, you know, we hear things in like three minute sound bites mm -hmm. on television. Sometimes you don't get the whole background and you yeah. don't get the concerns and you don't get the story. And this is, an, this is a platform that you can kind of delve a little bit further yeah. into why people are doing certain things and what what is hindering them or helping them. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming for sure. on. I yeah. really appreciate your yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>